Last night, something truly despicable happened. With estimates that over 70,000 people in the Bahamas are now homeless, evacuations have begun. And in parts of the nation, it looks like it was hit by an atomic bomb. Everything has been flattened. And estimates are starting to come in that they expect the death toll to rise by the thousands. And to get into the United States from the Bahamas, you don't actually need a visa. You just need a passport and sometimes your police record. So last night, hundreds of people with passports and police records, men, women, and children, boarded a ferry from the Bahamas to Fort Lauderdale, only to be ordered off, they were told, by the U.S. Customs and Border Patrol. And I'm going to talk about that, and I'll close today's episode telling you about the selfie that Lindsey Graham took yesterday with a notorious white supremacist. This is Sean King, and you are listening to The, the, the Breakdown. The, 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 the Breakdown. I am not a super huge fan of local television news. The the coverage is often racist. They are often basically just kind of a mouthpiece for the local police department, and they particularly cover any crime or any mistake that black folk ever commit, and this is from coast to coast. But I I actually love local investigative reporters because they dig in a way that kind of the talking heads on local television news don't normally do. And some of the local investigative reporters are digging and doing great work all over the country. In Miami, one of those local investigative reporters is named Brian Enton. He works for Channel 7 News there in Miami. And Brian Enton traveled to the Bahamas to cover the relief efforts. And last night, he witnessed with his own eyes something truly horrible. And I want to play this entire clip from Brian Enton, and I credit Channel 7 News for this clip. He did great work, and they did great work. Let me play the whole segment for you, because he breaks it down in a way that I hoped to break it down for you, but he already did it. Listen again. Here's Brian Enton for Channel 7 News in Miami. Really just a heartbreaking situation for these hurricane evacuees. We were on the ferry with them coming back to Fort Lauderdale late last night. They waited hours to get on the ferry, so relieved when they finally made it on. And minutes before that ferry pulled off the dock, they were told they had to get off. The chaos started outside the Freeport Harbor. Hundreds of hurricane evacuees trying to get in the terminal and get off their storm-ravaged island. At one point, security guards locked the doors with chains and padlocks as the crowd grew. Ferry passengers were told they could travel to Fort Lauderdale with their Bahamian passport and a copy of their criminal record. But when they got on the Balearia ferry, this announcement was made. Then you come into the USA. You already have The hurricane evacuees who waited hours to leave suddenly were kicked off the ship. Among them, Renard Oliver and his baby girl. They were saying that they just got a call from CBP and CBP told them that everyone that doesn't have a U.S. visa and who's traveling on police record has to come off. How do you feel? Um, at the last minute like this, you know, it's kind of disappointing. Um, 
hurt because um, watching my daughters cry. More than 100 passengers were told they had to get off the ship, and the ferry departed without the evacuees. I think this is terrible. I think they should allow everyone to come into the U.S. They originally said that you can come without a police record and without a visa, and now they're taking that back. That's really ridiculous. A huge disappointment for the hurricane victims trying to get off the island, and crew members blamed the U.S. government. But U.S. Customs and Border Protection said it was the ferry company, Balearia's fault, saying they did not work with them ahead of time. If those folks did stay on the boat and arrived, we would have processed them, uh, vetted them, and worked within our laws and protocols uh, and done what we, you know, what we had to do to uh, facilitate them. I think it was, uh, you know, a decision, a business decision by Valeria to remove them. They were not ordered off the boat by, by any government entity. It's absolutely heartbreaking. Last night, ship officials told passengers and told investigative reporter Brian Enton that they were ordered by U.S. Customs and Border Patrol to make everyone on the ferry without a visa disembark from the ship, which ultimately amounted to hundreds of passengers that had waited there, men, women, and children, that had waited there for 10 to 12 hours just to get on the ferry. Now, this morning, the Border Patrol disputes it. Of course they would. But it's pretty hard for us to take the word of one of the most notoriously racist agencies of our government, saying that it was a business decision by the Bellaria and by the Bellaria uh, Ferry Company makes little to no sense because uh, the ferry was making that trip no matter what, and it operates that ferry service almost daily there in the Bahamas. And so saying that they did this as a business decision really doesn't add up. And what we've seen since the day Trump took office are policies and actions, particularly toward immigrants of color, that inflict cruelty on them just for the sake of cruelty. Now, that's not speculation on my part. The Trump administration has openly admitted that their policy of detaining and separating families at the border, sometimes then deporting the parents all the way back to their countries of origin, then shipping their detained children off to group homes and orphanages all over the United States. Stephen Miller and other U.S. officials said that they did such cruel things, which I really believe are crimes against humanity, that they did these things, quote, as a deterrent for future refugees. Now, Let me translate what they mean by that. When they say that they were doing these things as a future deterrent, what they mean is that they are aiming to be so cruel and so vile that it will terrify future refugees from ever attempting to make the trip to the United States themselves. That's what they mean when they say we did a because we hoped it would cause B a future deterrent. The purpose is to be cruel, to scare the life out of anybody else from doing it. And they don't dispute this. So, of course, they would order people with the legally required documentation. All you needed was your passport 
your identification, and your record. And these people on the ship had it. That is the legally required documentation. But they ordered them off of the boat by basically changing their requirement of what they needed for no apparent reason other than cruelty. Now, I'm speaking later today to officials in the Bahamas and to Bahamian officials here in the United States to determine exactly what we can do to help. And here's the thing. They're going to need our help not just today, but for the weeks, months, and even years to come. Which brings me to our final story for today. White supremacy is rising and growing all over the world. It's not just Donald Trump. It's not just the Trump administration. And it's not just in the United States. Open bigots are running for office everywhere and frequently winning. And they are feeding off of each other's energy. And one of the most despised bigots in the world right now is a man named Hirt Wilders, an open white supremacist and Islamophobe who ran for prime minister of the Netherlands and lost, but got very real support. He has called for a ban, a complete ban on the construction of all new mosques in the Netherlands. He said that Muslim women should be fined for wearing religious headscarves. He also said that the Quran should be banned. He then openly said, and this is a quote, that he hates Islam and he has continued to attack Islam and Muslims and immigrants over and over and over again. And in the Netherlands, he is basically seen as the closest thing they have there to an elected neo-Nazi. People normally would not appear in public with him unless they shared his views. This weekend, though, in Italy at a European security conference, Hirt Wilders proudly posted on Twitter a picture with South Carolina Senator Lindsey Graham saying how glad he was to have just had a good meeting with Graham. Now, the picture, first and foremost, is weird because uh, Hirt Wilders, his head is like twice as large as Lindsey Graham's head, and people thought it was a doctored photo. Like, that's actually the original photo. So, I, you know, I've never met Lindsey Graham, so I don't know if he has a tiny head or if Hirt Wilders has a huge head. I can't explain the proportions of the photo. All I know is that they both appear to be elated to be in each other's presence. And it appears, though, because the photo is no longer on Heert Wilders' uh, timeline on Twitter, it appears that Lindsey Graham begged Heert Wilders to delete the photo because after widespread criticism of Graham for posing with an open white supremacist, Wilders then deleted it. Either way, it further exposes Lindsey Graham and the Republican Party for who and what they truly are. At this point, it's an open party of white supremacists. They fight for white supremacist policies and practices. They defend white supremacy and and bigotry day after day after day, and then are just silent, sometimes in the face of extreme bigotry, not just from the president, but from all types of members of their party. And it, it, it is why our action pack started a campaign to flip the Senate, which brings me to our action step for today. 
nearly 50,000 of you have now signed up to help us flip the Senate. And if you have not already done so, you can do that right now at HowWeFlipTheSenate.com. Again, you can go to HowWeFlipTheSenate.com and you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, the same handle on all platforms, at FlipTheSenate. And you can follow us there to, to see all about what we're doing, to learn all about the candidates that we're supporting, because we're not only challenging Lindsey Graham, we're going to be challenging senators from 25 different seats And we're going to be announcing our next round of endorsements tomorrow. And we need all hands on deck. So please follow us now at Flip the Senate. Check us out at HowWeFlipTheSenate.com. And here's what I know. We're going to have to organize ourselves out of the problematic positions we find ourselves in. Listen, have hope. I, I believe in hope. Have expectation. But do all of that and organize at the same time. We're not going to be able to dream or wish our way into change. We're going to have to organize to make that happen. Break it down. Thank you all for making it all the way through this episode of The Breakdown. If you haven't already subscribed to our podcast, we'll be right back here every single weekday breaking down important news stories and issues. And we'd love for you to subscribe on your favorite podcast apps like Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And please share this podcast with your friends and family because our next big goal is to get to 100,000 subscribers and we're just not going to get there without you. Of course, thank you so much to the nearly 30,000 founding members of the North Star whose generosity even makes this podcast possible. We love you all and appreciate you so very much. And if you love this podcast and you want to support our work or you want to see the show notes and transcripts for each episode, we'd love it if you'd consider becoming a founding member of our community. You can do that right now at thenorthstar.com. There we not only have all of our podcasts, but hundreds of original articles and stories and commentaries from some of the leading scholars and thinkers and journalists in the world. Lastly, I want to give a shout out to our associate producer, Lissandra, and our podcasting director and senior producer, Willis, for their hard work on this and every episode. Take care, everybody.